Evan, there we go. Good morning. Welcome to Belleville First Church, the Nazarene. Whether you're here with us in person or online, we're happy that you're here. I'm going to open us up in a quick word of prayer this morning. Dear God, we invite your presence here among us this morning. Thank you for bringing this new family to us, to minister to us, and uh, we're thankful for all that they're going to do in our church body and also in our community. And we uh, pray these things in your name. Amen. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses Righteousness being restored And though these are days of great trials of famine and darkness and sword. We are the voice in the desert crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, hear a jubilee, and out of sight till salvation comes. are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming his flesh. And these are the days of your servant David, rebuilding a temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word. How are we doing this morning? 
Amen. What a great day, huh? What a great day to rejoice. This is, a day, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us what? Rejoice, rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. What a great morning. Uh, exciting days for Belleville First today as we welcome the Cotton family. So we're, we're great that you're here. It's, it's great that you're here, and we're delighted this day is finally here. So what a, what a great day. I do want to uh, welcome just a couple of special guests. Our district superintendent, uh, Pastor Terry, and his wife Becky are with us this morning. And uh, we want to extend a warm Belleville First welcome to both of you uh, this morning as well. Also want to welcome Nicole's uh, parents are with uh, parents and family are with us this morning. So sitting right down front here. So we welcome you guys as well. Uh, and if you're worshiping with us online, we also want to extend a warm Belleville first welcome to you all. Uh, it's so great to see you all this morning. Uh, just one quick announcement, and then we will continue with our our worship this morning. And that is the mosaic. Uh, pregnancy center uh, bottles. We still have some in the foyer, and those are to be returned by Sunday, February 14th. So if you could have those returned, that, that would be awesome. Uh, as I said, we are so glad that uh, Bo and, and Nicole and their, their children are with us as our, as our pastor. And we have, uh, I believe we have a, a, a little... Uh, Celebration, a, a gift uh, this morning. So come on up, Karen and Kathy. And Bo and Pastor Nicole and your kiddos. Are your kiddos here up here as well? Oh, there they are. There they are, Jonah and uh, Nor. Thank you. Come on up. Um, this is gifts for you on, um, from the church. This is church. You can see what you've done. Um, we asked the church to donate gift cards for you guys to welcome you. So it is everything from groceries to restaurants to Lowe's help you get to know the area. So there's a couple coffee places in here too. So you can check out a couple of, of coffee, coffee spots as well. So this is for you guys to welcome you. And then we also have gifts for Nora and Jonah. So welcome. Welcome to Belleville First. Thank you, uh, Bo and Nicole. And uh, Nicole, go ahead and have a seat. I think you'll be up here again here in just a little bit. I would like to uh, formally introduce our district superintendent, Pastor Terry Armstrong, has been serving as our district superintendent. It's going on a two years now. So uh, Pastor Terry, we're delighted that you're here this morning and looking forward to a great day of celebration as uh, you help us with the installation of Pastor great. Nicole. Well, thank you, Pastor, or Pastor Rick. <laughs> <coughs> Rick, thank you. It's a joy to work with Rick, uh, not only as secretary of your board, we've had many conversations, but also we sure appreciate uh, his leadership on the district and the district advisory board as well. Well, it is a privilege to be with you today, and I bring you greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior. I'm going to sneak around here. How's that? Uh, yeah, still. Can I, can I shoot these out for a second? Awesome. Thank you. We'll move them back so that you won't mess up too much. But there, that's better. I can see all of you now. Um, it is a real joy to uh, come to you this morning, and, and I actually feel like uh, that I kind of know some of you. 
Uh, we have spent many hours together as, uh, with the church board as we have been in this process. And uh, so it's, it's kind of fun to be able to come and worship with, with folks that I know. And uh, one of the things that uh, Becky and I have had to uh, uh, adjust to is that each week we go to a different church and, and there's so many of the people yet that we do not know. And it's even harder during the midst of COVID to get to know you because you're usually kind of staring back at me with face mask on. And so, but that's all right. And uh, we appreciate uh, your diligence. Uh, today is a special day because it is the combination of, of uh, over six months of specified diligent prayer and seeking the wisdom of God. Through the polity and the process of the Church of the Nazarene, we believe we have come to understand and know the will of God for the church at Belleville First and for Pastor Nicole and, and Bo and Nora and Jonah. And uh, today, as we come to understand His will, we declare that through the process of your church board and you, the congregation, your congregational vote, we come today to solemnize the covenant relationship between pastor and people. This covenant is to be entered into with assurance and faith, with determination and grit, with love and devotion for one another, created by our relationship with Jesus Christ and our desire to fulfill His calling in our lives to make Christ-like disciples. In just a few moments, we're going to, uh, I'm going to invite you to read with me the litany, a, a responsive reading that will be part of this covenant relationship. You've all been to marriages, to weddings, and in the midst of that wedding ceremony, there is this covenant that enters, that uh, the couple, the husband and the wife, enter into. And today, you, congregation, and you, Pastor Nicole, are entering into a covenant relationship, pastor and people. Pastor Cotton will care for you, and she will guide you to green pastures and to still waters. And you, the congregation, are covenanting that you will support, encourage, and follow her as together you grow deeper in your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, before we get into the full litany, I just want to take a few moments to, to walk with you through some historical background, going all the way back into the beginning of Scripture, into the Old Testament, as we look at how God used people. And some of those people were women, to lead and to be a part of the body of Christ. Women in leadership is not a new thing. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, we find Miriam was one of the first to pick up an instrument and lead in worship. In addition, the prophet Micah declares that Miriam was a leader of the nation of Israel along with Moses and Aaron. The book of Judges tells us of Deborah, who served as a judge and a prophet. 
And in 2 Kings chapter 22, during the period of restoration under King Josiah, we find Hudala, a prophetess that had a leading role in, in the restoration of Israel. Then we move to Queen Esther, a real leader who impacted the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, we, we begin to discover uh, individuals like Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet, a place that in Jesus' culture, in Jesus' day, was reserved for the men so that they might learn from the rabbi. But Jesus extended a place to Mary that she too would have the opportunity to learn and to be his student. Mary Magdalene was the first to see the risen Lord and she received the task of proclaiming to the disciples that Jesus was resurrected. Some say she was the first apostle, the first sent one to proclaim and share the good news. When Paul arrived in Philippi, he went to the Jews but found no synagogue. And so he went down to the river and there he found a group of women gathered together, being led by Lydia as they prayed together. And Lydia opened her home and became a leader in that day. Little is known about Phoebe in Romans 16, but many scholars believe that she was the one chosen to deliver the letter of Rome, or letter, the letter written to Rome by the Apostle Paul. And while she delivered it, she was to read it and to answer questions for them. In the Acts of the Apostles, we find Priscilla along with her husband Aquila. Chapter 18, verse 26 indicates that they were teachers and were used by God to help instruct the people. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, quotes Joel chapter 2 and declares, Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Peter confirmed that day that the day had come, the time had come. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you read this dialogue as Paul wrote to this church that was troubled, this church that was struggling, and there was all kinds of stuff going on in the midst of their, their acts of worship. And, and he began to declare to them that in, in chapter 11 that when the women prophesy and pray, that they were to cover their head. It was part of the process, part of the culture, part of the day. Paul expected the women to be up and leading. And this chapter, or this description comes right before the chapter where you then begin to read where Paul declared that the women were to be silent in worship. And so for us in our day, in our culture, we have struggled with that because where is the place for women in ministry? But when you begin to understand the, the nature, the disruption that was occurring in the church at Corinth, it, it wasn't a matter of that women couldn't be involved. It was the disruption that they happened to be causing at that moment. And, and as again, if you look back to chapter 11, Paul expected the women to be involved by praying and leading and prophesying. The church of the Nazarene has a rich heritage of of practicing and, and receiving and accepting God's call into the lives of individuals, men and 
women. Early on uh, in the life of history of the Church of Nazarene, you read, and, and I thought it was interesting when, you, when we think about Pastor Nicole and Bo moving here from Arkansas, you read the life of, of um, Agnes Diffie, who back in her day pastored the largest church of the Nazarene in Little Rock, Arkansas. The largest church in the denomination during her time. She was their pastor. We read of others like Mary Lee Cagle and the third, Mary Lee Cagle, Dr. Mildred Weinkoop. And in more recent days, we find leaders like Dr. Nina Gunner and Dr. Carla Thunberg. Just a few of the, those that God has called and placed in leadership in the Church of the Nazarene. And what a joy today as we work together as a board to discover God's will to believe this morning that God has called Reverend Nicole Cotton to serve and to lead your congregation in the days ahead. Today, we are here to recognize God's call, God's will for your church and for this pastor. Pastor Nicole, will you come today, stand alongside of me, You're fine. There you go. Well, Pastor Nicole, Nicole, I believe that, that you can only be the shepherd that your people need if you follow the example that Jesus has left before us. Uh, when we were able to distribute bulletins, I would have printed for you the story in John chapter 13 a story that you know well. It's a story of Jesus prior, just before the Passover, that he took off his outer garment and he washed the disciples' feet. And in the midst of that, as he completed that process, and, and, and there was some turmoil in the midst of that because Peter said, oh Jesus, you can't do that to me. You can't do the role of the servant in my life. And Jesus said, Peter, yes, I need to do, need to show you, I need to teach you the role that I expect. And after he completed that, he said to his disciples, as I have done, you do as well. So God has called us, and, and particularly as ministers, Pastor, Pastor, I believe that God has called us to take on the role of the servant. We are here today to serve the congregation. Now, I have to admit to you, washing feet just doesn't quite gel in my mind. I, I, I mean, I know that there have been times that, as particularly when I was a youth pastor, you know, it, you do unique things with young people. And so you would practice, uh, you would do this act of washing feet and and somehow we would teach something uh, that it was about humility. I mean, it was humbling to, to kneel down and wash somebody's feet. And, and I think there's great lessons of humility in Scripture, and I believe it's how we are to live. But I don't believe that that was the real meaning of John chapter 13 when Jesus taught, 
that we were to be servants. And so I try to think about what is it that it means for me to be a servant? What does it mean for Pastor Nicole to be your servant? And, and I finally figured it out one day when I had kind of a, an aha moment in the, the foyer of the church that I was pastoring. We were greeting before service, just talking to people, and, and we were very fortunate and had a very large foyer area, and, and there were lots of people there. And we were just talking about life. When all of a sudden, a lady came up to me and said, Pastor, Ladies' toilets plug. <laughs> and there's no plunger. Well, you know, as a pastor, you want to take care of things, and 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 you knew that I, I knew that the janitor's closet was locked. And so I said, I will go get you a plunger. And so I left the crowd and went back down the hallway to the janitor's closet. And um, oh gosh. <laughs> I brought back a plunger. And strange thing happened. There was nobody in the foyer. Everybody had dispersed. Everybody was gone. And I thought, here I am, the pastor. And I had on a coat and tie. And, and I began to realize that if I am going to be the servant, I must be involved in doing whatever task is necessary in the life of the church. Now, Pastor Nicole, I'm not telling you that you need to go plunge the toilet. But, but I, I've become, this has become a symbol for me. That God has called me to take up the plunger. To take on the role of the servant. And, and uh, a an never-been-used <laughs> plunger, I'm going to present to you. Now, some other district superintendents give gifts that are symbols and, and, and they're a little more dignified. <laughs> but, but I think that this is the perfect reminder for me of what it means and what you are doing here today in these few moments of installation that you are agreeing to take on the role and the life of the servant that Christ has called us to be. So Pastor Nicole, it's, it's uh, got your name on it. Perfect. Belleville First, Pastor, January 31st, 2021, John 13. So there you go. Thank you. I hope someone got a picture of that. <laughs> and if I come to your office and it's not there, it's okay. I will but, display it proudly. But uh, I, I really do. And I have, down through the years, have called my people when I was pastoring that our role is to take up the plunger and to be the, the servant, to become involved into the messiness of life, people's lives, willing to show them the love, the compassion of Christ. So now we come to a very significant moment in the time and life of Belleville First, Pastor Nicole that we enter into this covenant. And as I mentioned, we will have a litany, and it will be on the, the screen for you. And, and whenever it says congregation, I would ask that you would read and respond 
to that. And, and there will be some places where Pastor Nicole will respond to you. So congregation, do you affirm the biblical charge included in the vows of those ordained into Christian ministry? Read here now. Can I just stop there for a moment? I hope you understand the significance of those words that you just repeated. For us as pastors, for ministers, on the day of our ordination, standing with the hands of the general superintendent and the church of Nazarene placed upon us in his priestly or her priestly role, they declared this is our charge as ministers. And you as the congregation have just affirmed to Pastor Nicole the significance of what God has called her to be. Will you, the congregation, prayerfully support your pastor as she fulfills her charge and her calling among you? Will you, the congregation, Continually support your pastor and family with respect, with love, and gracious Christ-likeness during her ministry among you. And now, Pastor Nicole, I turn to you. Reverend Nicole Cotton, do you recognize God's call on your life? God has called me into pastoral ministry, and I have answered His call and now offer myself to this congregation to live out my vocation in pastoring these people. You have been called, and you have accepted this assignment to serve as the pastor of these people at Belleville First. Will you accept the charge to be their spiritual leader of this flock? I will accept the charge to be the spiritual leader. Will you be a personal example of holiness in conduct, in character and faith. As a follower of Christ, I will be faithful in love. Will you lead this congregation in the public worship of God, giving particular atten attention to the reason of your calling? I will preach the Word of God with courage, boldness, and grace. I will be genuine and responsible, a genuine and responsible student of the sacred scriptures, serving as God's mouthpiece in this broken world in order to be an instrument of grace and truth, to provide for the ministries of pastoral care, prayer, and spiritual direction, both personally and through others. And I will work to enable the congregation to take their role, ministry, and duty to the church and the community seriously so that I do not try to do the labors they should do. And finally, I will work to maintain my own sanity, peace of mind, and spirituality by fearing God, keeping a Sabbath, and safeguarding the privacy of my marriage, home, and family. Having accepting God's call upon your life, I charge you to rule with grace, preach with authority, and lead with discernment. Have accepting this pastor willfully, I charge you to will, will, willingly offer your support, give of your love, 
and make great memories together as one body in Christ. It is in the providence of God we believe that Reverend Nicole Cotton has been ordained by God to serve Him and to serve you. Trust God and His provision and be willing to follow God's servant wholeheartedly. And now you're going to enter in a a covenant together and you will respond one to another. We will love one another with sincerity of heart, choosing to live in grace and forgiveness. We will not become lazy or apathetic, but will keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We will share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. At this time, could I ask Bo and Nora and Jonah if you would join us here on the platform? And then I would like to ask uh, the church board if you would just kind of uh, circle around uh, the front of the platform here. We're going to have a prayer of installation. Traditionally, our tradition has always been one of laying on of hands. But in today's culture, we have chosen to to practice uh, social distancing and be safe. And so... Uh, church board, as uh, I pray, would you just extend your hands towards uh, Pastor Nicole and, and this family today as we pray a prayer of installation. Lord God, we come to this very sacred moment in which we, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we install and declare Reverend Nicole Cotton to serve and to be pastor of the Belleville First Church of the Nazarene. Lord God, I pray that You would take this precious young lady whose heart is open and pliable to You, that You would guide her and give her the wisdom that she needs to lead this church in a direction that would would make Christ-like disciples, that would declare our mission, our purpose of being a holy people, and that we would strive to be Christ-like, and that we would proclaim the message of holiness over and over again. I pray for this precious family, for Bo as he continues to seek out your direction in his life, and as as Nicole and he work together to find uh, his place of service in in your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, for Nora and Jonah, and pray, Lord, that you would just uh, be with them in a very special way as they make this transition, that they would find new friends, and and, uh, that their schools would see the light of Christ shining in their life. We love you today. Thank you for our board that worked so hard, and uh, we're thankful that you have revealed to us your will for our life. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. 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 What we'd like to do now, uh, there's a, a few of the board members that have some special symbols that they would like to present to the family, to Pastor Nicole, uh, to tell about their uh, desire to be a faithful follower. Well, it's a good thing I didn't give you a plunger because that idea was already taken. Um, So uh, I was chosen on behalf of the Sunday School and Discipleship Ministries 
um, to give you a gift. I had no idea what to get you. I was thinking of taking a screenshot of one of our Zoom Sunday schools. So I was told that was a lame idea. <laughs> so I was then given a hint that you like coffee. So we went and got you this coffee basket here. And we got you a tumbler that said, I don't know if you can all can see it, but it says Pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R, I'll be there for you. And then it's kind of written in the Friends TV show calligraphy. And we got a coffee cup, a mug, and we had this picked before I think Brett posted it on Facebook last <laughs> week. But it says, careful or you'll end up in my sermon. Okay. So <laughs> next time you join us for Sunday school or life group or whatever, you can use this coffee, and we hope that we pick the right kind, because I didn't know what to You get. did great. <laughs> you did great. Thank awesome. you very much. That's very sweet. <laughs> well, I'm here on behalf of the youth, and so uh, working with teens sometimes can be a little challenging. We understand that. So I got you a prescription, actually. <laughs> uh, it's ministries. Oh, that's great. Right? So uh, it's for release ministerial stress. Uh, it's good relief for long youth trips, uh, constant interruptions, and unwanted odors. <laughs> so uh, we got you that, great. and I did refill. We got you covered on a few refills. Oh, great. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> In Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. And then in Romans uh, 10, 15, it says, How can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And so I can think of no better fitting representation of the mission of Nazarene Missions International than Jesus sandals, or called jandals, in Hawaii. Nice. Thank you, Stu. That's perfect. Pastor Nicole, this gavel is to represent your leadership of the board here at uh, Belleville First. May you lead with passion and vision. May you have the confidence to lead with authority. May you be humble yet confident. May you have a giving spirit yet be discerning. Build unity and trust as we earnestly work together to seek God's will in the days weeks, months, and years ahead. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guys. Well, oh, thank you, and, and uh, you guys may be seated, thank and you. Uh, thank you so much uh, for this uh, special time of installation. And uh, congregation, I would just ask uh, one final thing of you. Uh, we couldn't have everybody in the church bring up a gift and different, a symbol of your faithfulness and your support. But I would ask that you would commit that you will be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and that you will allow Him to use Pastor Nicole to guide this church in the days ahead. I believe there's great days in store for Belleville First. And uh, the reason we do that is because we believe that He is God, Creator, Sustainer of all the universe, and we want to declare that today as the band leads us in worship. Please stand and continue to worship with us this morning.
We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that He conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And He's coming back again. We believe. thank you for this group of people that is here today, this beautiful community of believers. Lord, I thank you for the love they have shown. I thank you, Lord, for their generosity, for their hospitality. Lord, these are a faithful people, and I am grateful for them. Lord, I just pray as we go and, and continue in this attitude of worship, God, I just pray that you would open up our hearts Lord, soften our hearts to hear from your word. God, I just pray that you would speak so clearly to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be very present among us, be, be very real in this room. I pray that we would feel your tangible presence that we know is here with us. Lord, we pray this morning for those who 
have come into this place with burdens. God, I know that there are so many burdens represented in this place. And God, just this week, just, this, just these past few weeks, there has there's been a lot of grief experienced by the members of this church. Lord, we pray that you would be very near to those that are brokenhearted with grief this morning. God, we want to make special mention of those who are grieving the loss of a loved one. And we pray for your spirit of comfort and peace to be very real and present in their lives this morning. God, we pray for Doug and his family. We pray for, for peace in, in the midst of his loss of his father. God, my heart felt especially moved to pray for his mother and just the way that, that she is trying to process this loss, and it's difficult. And I can't imagine how difficult it is for the family to be able to comfort her in such a confusing time. And so, God, I pray that you would just give her peace in a way that only you can, in a way that we can't explain or describe. God, I just pray that you would be with her and Doug's family and, and Aaron. And, God, we pray for all the details for the family that's trying to get together for this celebration of life. We pray that you would move and work out all those details and help, help them to overcome the hurdles of, of all coming together in a time like this. God, just surround them with your comfort and your peace and your love. Lord, we pray for, for David Floyd this morning and the loss of his grandfather. God, we pray for that same peace and comfort to be with him and his family in the midst of this loss. And Lord, we pray for Jean and the loss of her brother who passed recently. Lord, we pray that you would comfort her, give her peace, be with their family, God. Lord, I love being reminded in scripture, that you are close to the brokenhearted. You are close to those who are suffering with grief. It's real, and we see it, and we just pray that you would be with those. God, be with all of the other people here this morning who we know are carrying burdens. God, we are in the midst of a difficult time, and we know that that has touched everyone in some way or another. Everyone has been touched by COVID-19 in some way or another. And so we just pray for those who are sick, who are in need of a healing touch. We pray for strength for those frontline workers, God. We pray for strength and sustainability in such overwhelming, tiring, trying times. Holy God, we welcome you into this space. You are invited here. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Anoint my words that I have prayerfully prepared, God. May they be your words for your people on this day. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Well, um, I just want to say thank you, and that doesn't seem like enough at all, but thank you so much. Um, there's just no words. I'm in awe. We're in awe of your kindness and your generosity and your hospitality and your love. Um, I already feel 
like a member of this family, and I already feel like we are connected, and I'm just so grateful. So thank you. We could never say that enough, but thank you so much for welcoming us so beautifully. Well, several weeks ago, I um, asked Karen to send out an email to you guys, and she kindly did that. And um, I'm going to reference that email in case you missed it or, or didn't receive it or, or forgot what it said, which is perfectly understandable. But um, I shared this email uh, with you all because I just wanted to um, invite you to anticipate with me what I felt like the Lord was doing and what I felt like he was speaking to me about. I shared with you in that email that this word community kept coming to my mind. That when I thought about, uh, Lord, what would you have me speak to the, the church in Belleville? What would you have me say to them in the coming days, weeks, and months ahead? And this word community, I could almost just picture it in my mind. It just kept popping up in my mind. And I, I started thinking about that. And, and in thinking about that, I discovered something about myself. I had a little bit of a, of a self-discovery. And I learned that I am really drawn to the word community. Whether it's just the word itself or, or it's in a phrase or a title, I'm just drawn to it. I started thinking about things like community coffee. That's a, a coffee brand that you may have seen um, or drink at home. And that's got two of my favorite words, community and coffee in it, because I just love picturing having a cup of coffee with someone and, and talking about life, sharing life together. And that's what I picture when I think of the words community coffee. I thought about community centers, and I love the, the, the image of a center in a, in a town or in a city where people can come and gather together in a normal time, not in 2020 or 2021 necessarily, but they gather together for meetings or for events, uh, community gatherings. It's just a place where people can come and gather together in a community. I thought about a community garden. I love the idea. We are interested in participating in this at some point. We've never been able to so far, but I love the idea of, a again, a, a central location where people from a particular area can come together and care for a garden in the community. And, and, and every day, every month, and all throughout the year, they just carefully tend to a garden that will ultimately give back to a community, and I just think that's a beautiful picture. And then I thought of one final example. I thought of the um, old TV show, not super old, but it was on NBC called Community. And um, I don't know if you've ever seen this show or heard of it, but this is a show that centers on a group of people who have uh, just begun community college, and they find themselves in a room together, what they thought was a study group, uh, just turned into this beautiful community. There was you know, a fresh high school graduate with a, a guy that had, you know, Chevy Chase was probably what, like, I don't even know, 60-something? I don't even know. I didn't watch it that much, and I don't know how old he is. But there's this wide range of people that, that gathered together and formed this um, different kind of community, a bunch of misfits, if you will. And, and this is not an official endorsement of that TV show, but it just came to mind, and I thought, that's still a good example of community. And so as I began to think about community, I found myself drawn to a particular community that we see in Acts chapter 2. I know you're familiar with this passage and with this community, and this is a disclaimer that you're probably not going to take anything groundbreaking away from this sermon today or even over the next few weeks. Uh, this is a well-loved text 
Pastors love to preach on this text, and you've probably been a part of a Bible study or a small group or a Sunday school class where you unpack this text. So while it'll be great if you gain some new insight, um, my, my biggest prayer and hope is that we walk away with a vision, with an idea, with, with answers to questions like, how does the local church become a community that reflects that of Acts chapter 2? How does the local church become a, a community that others want to be a part of? Because in just a moment, we'll read this text together, and if you read, the, in, read this text in its proper context, you will realize that people were drawn to this community. So how, do we, how does the local church become a community that others are drawn to? We might even have to ask the question of, who are we as a community? I'm still discovering that. Who is BFCN as a community? And by the way, you guys are doing a great job at this whole community thing. You really are doing well. I'm not here to teach you anything um, other than to just vision and dream with me because you're doing a great job. My prayer is that, that we can identify what we do well, perhaps what we can do better, because we can always be improving and growing. And so let's pray about these things as we unpack this series over the next three weeks. This series will carry us into the season of Lent, and I just want to invite you to pray over these things that God would help us become the community that he has called us to be, the spirit-filled community that Belleville, Illinois needs and desires to be a part of. And so I want to invite you to read along with me from Acts chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 42 through 47. I want to invite you to stand with me as we read God's word together. Luke says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. See, over the next three weeks, what I want us to do is unpack each of these four actions that Luke highlights in this text. Ideally, this will be a four-week series, but we have three weeks until Lent, and I am, I, I'm a person, a pastor, who loves to walk through the season of Lent um, in accordance with the lectionary, and so I had to squeeze this into three weeks, but over the next three weeks, we will break down these, these four components that, that we see in this text the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayer. But here's something I want you to hear ahead of time, that these four things that Luke talks about, that the early church participated in, these things, this wasn't just something they did in their spare time. This wasn't just something they did on a down day when things were not hectic and crazy. This was a way of life for the early church. And I want you to hear this morning that this is a post-Pentecost church. And this is how a post-Pentecost church lives and operates. This is how a 
spirit-filled church operates. And, and they didn't contemplate things like, hmm, how can these actions fit into our already busy lives? Does anybody have a busy life? The, the apostles and the believers, they didn't say, well, how do these things fit into our already tight schedule? Instead, they asked the question. It was no question for them. They said, no, no, how does our life revolve around these things? Because this is what we're called to. This is what is important. And so these four actions that we're going to unpack over these next few weeks, I want you to know that these were signs of life in the church. Do you want to see life in the church? We want to see that. We long to see life in the church again. The church, big C. This is how we see life in the church. And as I was preparing my notes, um, perfect timing, the song from Life Church Worship came on. And in their chorus, they say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's life. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is life. And so we see that in this text. So let's begin this morning. I'm going to Rush through this quickly. I hope you have had your coffee this morning and you're ready to go and follow because we're going to unpack a lot, and I apologize in advance for just how, how much it is. But the apostles' teaching, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we, we read that word teaching, and we, we might wonder, well, what does that mean exactly? And here's the thing. I think that it certainly meant this, what's happening here. I am, am teaching slash preaching the inspired word of God, and you are receiving. And, and I had the privilege earlier of being a part of the Sunday school class that Brian and Trisha beautifully lead. And, and I was the recipient of great teaching, and I was soaking it up and learning. And I think that that is absolutely implied here, that there was absolutely teachings of what we would know as the Old Testament that was absolutely included in this, but it went beyond that. It wasn't just the teachings of the Torah that was included here that Luke was implying, but it also implies the direct teachings of Jesus. It implies the teachings of Jesus, how he lived, how he taught, what he did, and how he loved. But it actually went a step further than that. You see, people didn't just sit and learn and receive and then go about their day. They responded, and they did something with it. They, they retained this information, and then they began sharing this information. You see, part of the apostles' teachings was personal testimony. Personal testimony from those who had been with Jesus. It was actually really important that the disciples, that core group, they were people who had been with Jesus, who had walked with Jesus, who had witnessed his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. Luke explains that when, when talking about Judas' replacement. He said one of the prerequisites, this needs to be somebody that walked with Jesus, that knows Jesus. And so the disciples, they learned from Jesus, and then they shared what they learned, they taught. And the believers began to, to gather around, and they would listen, and they would soak up what the apostles were teaching and then they began to go and share what they had learned and what they had heard. You see, we would be incredibly unproductive if we stopped here. If this was all it was, then you're in trouble because I'm going to fail sometimes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it some days and some days I won't. If, if this is all that we focus on when it comes to the apostles' teaching and the life of the early church, we're going to be incredibly unproductive. Just like the disciples taught and shared and testified um, from the place of being with Jesus, we are charged to do the same. 
We are charged to be people who testify as to what Jesus has done for us. How many of you could say, and you don't have to say it out loud, just kind of think about this in your mind, but how many of you could say that Jesus has moved in your life over this past week? Maybe by a show of hands, how many of you can say, Jesus has moved in my life over this past week? I felt Jesus speak to me this past week. I felt Jesus helping me this past week. He was with me. Now, let me ask you this question. Did you share it with anyone? Did you testify about it? Were you someone that had been with Jesus and then shared what you learned? Share what he did? See, what we need to understand about the apostles' teaching is that a spirit-filled community testifies about who Jesus is. Yes, we learn, we sit, and we listen, and we soak it up, and we learn from those who are teaching, but then we are called to respond and to share with those around us. You see, I love thinking about how the Word of God is instilled and taught so that it can be shared or communicated with others. What good would, I, would it do for us to just sit and, and listen and learn and then not do anything with it, not share that with anyone? Even the disciples, they sat at Jesus' feet and they learned from him. And then what did Jesus do? He handed the baton to them and he said, now it's your turn. Now you go and share with the world what you have seen, what you have learned, and what I have done. When the early church received the teachings, they didn't just listen, they responded. And as a result, Luke tells us that people were cut to the heart. I love that passage. We didn't read it today, it's just before. But they were cut to the heart, and what did they say? What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Lives were touched, hearts were pierced, the Spirit of God was on the move because of teaching and testimony. The apostles' teaching wasn't all we see that contributed to this spirit-led growth, though. We, we see the importance of fellowship, as Luke underlines for us. And you're probably very familiar with the fancy Greek word for fellowship, koinonia. I feel like we love that word, and, and, and bands name themselves after that word. That's a little joke, because my husband was in a band, and their name was koinonia. But we love that word, and I thought it was so perfect, because this was four or five guys who who played in, in this band together. They had a bond. They had a brotherly love, a koinonia, and we love that. Who doesn't love a good bond between you and a close friend? There's just nothing like it. You have your, your bond with your spouse and your bond with your kids and your parents, but there's nothing like a good bond between friends. And at the, at the root of this word, that's what it means, a bond between persons. But you see, the interesting thing about that is in the Greco-Roman world, that bond only existed or most likely existed between two people who came from the same place, who were of the same class, who were likely of the same ethnicity. You rarely saw this koinonia bond uh, between persons, between two people that looked different. But when the church, when the church stepped in, this spirit-filled koinonia was much different than the, the Greco-Roman cultural koinonia. Because you began to see the church say, we are opening our table to anyone and everyone. You don't have to be a certain class. You don't have to be a certain gender. You don't have to, to come. Man, men and women are invited to the table. Rich and poor are invited to the table. Jew and Gentile are invited to the table. 
the table was not closed and you began to see this bond form between people that you would not have seen this bond form between before. They had what I like to think of as an open table concept. Everyone was welcome to the table. This, this, this koinonia, this spirit-filled koinonia, as I like to say, this transcended social and cultural boundaries. You were invited to the table simply because Jesus invited them to the table. And then maybe you need to hear that this morning. I kept coming back to this in my notes. Maybe you need to hear that you're invited to the table because Jesus himself invited you to the table. Do you know that? And, and I take it a step further in my mind and say, Jesus didn't just invite me to the table. He gave up his chair so that I could sit at his table. He gave up his chair for me and took the position of the cross so that I could be a member at his table. And he does the same for you. Do you know that this morning? Do you know that Jesus invites you to his table? Maybe you just need to say it. Those of you at home, do you know that you are invited to Jesus' table? He invites you to the table. You are welcome at his table. And there's this little caveat that I want to mention when it comes to fellowship. Luke talks about fellowship, and in another area, he says that peculiar line, did you catch it, or that verse, when he says they were all together and had everything in common. Does that strike you out at all, that they were all together and had everything in common? And I'm thinking, okay, there's got to be something more to that, because I doubt it. I doubt that's what he meant. Did they have the same likes? Are you saying, Pastor Nicole, that i got to be besties with somebody who is who is very different from me and they have different habits and there's things that are peculiar about them and I'm just not very comfortable around them. What are you saying exactly? And I think we have to understand that that's not really what Luke intended to say. It didn't mean that they had the same ideas or they had the same interests or the same exact ways of living, but it meant that they were united because of one thing, Jesus. They were united because of what Jesus had done for them. They were united in their mission. They were now united in their witness. They were now united in their ministry. They were united in their willingness to go and do what Jesus instructed them to do. They were united in their love for Jesus and their love for one another. Do you think they had different ideas of how this ought to look? Yes. Do you think they had disagreements about what this ought to look like? Yes. Did they try to place rules and, and boundaries on this at some point? Probably, because we like to do that. We like to turn it into a machine, something we can control. But it just meant that they were unified because of Jesus. You see, a spirit-filled community teaches and testifies, but a spirit-filled community also welcomes outsiders to the table and works together for the mission of reaching the world. I had to share this quote from John Wesley with you. I loved it. Bear with me. This is not 21st century language. He says, Ye different sects, all who declare, Lo, here is Christ, and Christ is there. Your stronger proofs divinely give, and show me where the Christians live. Does the world want to know where the Christians live? May it be so. Amen. May it be so. May they see our table and be welcomed 
to our table. You see, the reason why I was okay with connecting teaching and fellowship this morning, because I thought there was a beautiful connection in sharing the good news and living out the good news. There's a difference, but there's a connection. And that led to thousands of people being saved. If you read Acts and what Luke says, thousands of people were touched because of this spirit-filled community. Hundreds and thousands of people were brought into the fold, were welcomed to the table. The gospel united people who would have never been united before. The gospel does that, doesn't it? I like how scholar Scott McKnight puts it. He says, one of the primary characteristics of God's newly constituted people is spirit-shaped fellowship or participation with other believers. The experience uh, of the spirit does not only bring individuals into intimate and abiding relationships with God, but it brings individuals into intimate and abiding relationships with the people of God. We're not just in relationship to God. We are in relationship with one another. We are a community. May we be a spirit-filled community. You see, through the teachings, fellowship, and the breaking of bread and the prayer, which we'll discuss over the next few weeks, the church became unstoppable. They were unstoppable. Hell could not touch, let alone stop, what God was doing within the church. They became unstoppable, and that reminded me of, I shared with you at the beginning about the show Community. There's this one scene in the pilot episode where kind of the, the leader, didn't intend to be the leader, but the, the leader of the group, his name was Jeff, he was looking at the group and he said, you are no longer just a study group, you've become unstoppable. I hereby pronounce you a community, is what he said. And that's just a fictional TV show, fictional characters written by some really good TV producers. I want to share with you this morning, BFTN, that through the power of the Holy Spirit and only through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can become something unstoppable. The gates of hell will not prevail. And I hereby remind us this morning that we are a spirit filled, we are a spirit-shaped and a spirit-sustained community, one that can be united because of our love for Jesus and our love for others. And so we're going to invite the, prayer, uh, the praise team to come back up. And I just want to invite you to respond this morning. I want to invite you to pray that we would be a spirit-filled community that is faithful in our testimony. I want to invite you to pray that we would be a spirit-filled community that is faithful in our fellowship, welcoming in the other to the table. And I want to add a third bonus one this morning. I want you to pray that God will help us figure out or continue to figure out what this looks like in the midst of a global pandemic, because that really changes things, doesn't it? It makes things really challenging and difficult. But God isn't slowing down. God hasn't been at home just hanging out. God is at work. God is continuing to ignite his church to be the people that the world needs today. And so I just invite you to pray in response this morning to what God would have us do.
you stand and worship with us this morning. I just want to remind you that we are um, looking forward to seeing you all this afternoon at 2 for the open house. And before I leave, I just wanted to thank you, Belleville Emmanuel, for sending over these um, beautiful flowers for today. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your hospitality. And um, I just want to say that I am excited, truly excited for the days ahead. And may God bless our efforts to journey together as a spirit-filled community. Amen? Amen. May you go in the Lord's grace and peace, and may you be a spirit-filled people who not only testify but who welcome the others to your table. You are dismissed.